Hello, my name is Sam Clements and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picture House podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. On today's episode, a bonus episode, a miniature episode in between our monthly review podcasts, we are delighted to be joined by the director, Craig Gillespie, filmmaker behind some of my favourite films in recent years, including Lars and a Real Girl, what a banger with Ryan Gosling uh, before uh, before he was Ryan Gosling, I would say, uh, at the very start of his career. Uh, more recently, uh, Craig directed films such as Cruella and I, Tonya. Craig is back with a brand new film, Dumb Money, in cinemas right now. And he was actually at one of our cinemas at Picture House Central for a Q&A on the film's opening night. So the film is actually in cinemas right now as we are recording. And just before Craig went on stage, he very kindly had a chat with me about the film for the podcast. Enjoy. Yo, what up, everybody? Roaring Kitty here. I'm going to pick a stock and talk about why I think it's interesting. And that stock is GameStop. I love this guy. Retail traders have hooked into GameStop. I think they think it's a good investment. It looks like there's one guy driving all the buying. Who is this schmuck? Dumb money, man. Happy to take it. Welcome, Craig, to the Pitch House Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Sam. It's lovely to be here. Um, it's always always a treat to uh, to be able to talk to people in the flesh as well. We've been doing lots of Zoom interviews lately, and uh, listeners, <laughs> yes. we're in a we're in a very large, empty hotel room. <laughs> yeah, um, but in the flesh. <laughs> but in the well, flesh, which is, I think is important, but, yeah. and it's important as well because Craig. But we're recording this before Craig goes to Pitch House Central for a Q and A. And I guess your last film sort of came out during COVID times. But what's it like, you know, with this film being able to go out and meet audiences? You know, it's it's a, it's sort of a double-edged sword because on the one side we don't have our actors, which mm. is really hard not to be able to celebrate it with them. But on the flip side of that, this film is about community and it's about this whole online community that rally together. So to be able to share it with the community in the theatre is really gratifying, and just, just also to sense, you know, we try and we try and like really really sort of lean into the sense of outrage that happened with what this movement was and what ended up happening with Congress uh, in the aftermath of it. So to fill that with an audience, to go on this ride that starts out in this very uh, sort of jubilant way and in very intense way, and mm. then to feel like the, the turn into the, the anger and the frustration at what's going on in the country, it was, it's, really, it's really a unique way to experience it. I think so. I think it's a yeah, sort of a film that not only entertains you, makes you laugh, it makes you think, but also when you come out of the film, you just want to know more. And the, the conversations in the in the foyer at the screening I was at anyway were quite intense. You know, people with different areas of knowledge of the real life events, people going, "I need to read Wikipedia about this." And <laughs> and it's in some ways it's subjective because it's you know if you're on the banking side of this, you know we're presenting what what the actual situation is, what the laws are, like how they can get around it. And in the banking community, they'll be like, yeah, that's the way it is. Mm. <laughs> and, then, and then you'll get, you know, the every man, the, the Reddit uses, and it's the frustration at that. And that's what the system is like and how it's, like, rigged inherently against the average consumer. And uh, so depending on your point of view, uh, y there's something in the movie for everyone. That's cool. And it's, yeah, you know, I arch a prompt uh, discussion and everyone interprets it in different ways. I think this is a prime example of that. <laughs> it is. And it, um, we knew it would, there would be a lot of scrutiny with this on both sides. Lauren uh, Shukabloom and Rebecca Angelo, the writers on this, they used to be uh, Wall Street investigative reporters oh, wow. for the Wall Street Journal. 
so the, the veracity that they went through this and really and really like everything is factual like on it's amazingly on both sides it's like you know but it, the chronologically what happened the time frame of when these things happened when these texts happened between the corporations all of those things we had to be very accurate with because we knew we were dealing with large corporations that would be looking at this movie <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then on the flip side even when we're dealing with our characters, and I'd say, well, look, I need a scene with uh, Keith Gill, which is the lead character, Paul Dano, mm. and Pete Davidson, they'd go back and do their research and to be like, for the Pete Davidson character, say, oh, look, we found an article where he ran naked in college <laughs> for a mile in a thunderstorm, and, it's like, and then that, that idea works its way into the film. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's quite a... You know, one of the things about this film is the events it's based on were quite recent. You know, this is a, it's the turnaround is, is pretty remarkable. Everything feels quite fresh. <laughs> I like the energy of that, but it also there was, a, there was an urgency I felt about the messaging of what's going on right now. And it's, it's something that I think was a profound change during COVID. And COVID is very much a catalyst mm. for, for what was happening, which is, you know, the, you know, during COVID, there was the alienation. There was just the loss of loved ones the loss of jobs, the loss of like, small businesses, the lack of government aid, particularly in America, and this incredible frustration and this real like awareness of the disparity of wealth that's going on, like again, particularly in America, but in the world. And that all came together and, and, and created this movement and this mouthpiece, which was GameStop. It happened to be that. There was also protests going on, Black Lives Matter, and, and various other movements going on, but this was a way that they could voice right to the one percenters, in this case, mm -hmm. the 0.01 percenters, how pissed off they were, and, and hit them where it hurts, which was their wallets. And so it was this really gratifying way to like make a statement and possibly make a lot of money as well. It became a very complicated relationship for, yeah. for the Reddit users because there were people in for the cause, like America Ferreira, mm. who plays a nurse in, in it and is based primarily on a nurse from, from the actual book that we, pu we pulled this from, Ben Mezrick's book, which was the anti-social network. <laughs> but so she's a real voice for that frustration and that change and the, and the sense that the system's rigged against us. Um, and she did a beautiful job with that. But uh, it, it was really part, you know, COVID was that catalyst and now it's still going on it's going on in hollywood you know, with sag and with with the wga and this this real sense of this disparity of wealth this accountability and this transparency let's go somewhere new see worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars Inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. This film has got a lot of characters, and the cast list is is ridiculous. Quite frankly, you're spoiling us <laughs> I thought with it was, so I many like amazing, amazing people. Yeah. Uh, loads of great people from comedy. Maybe not you know seeing them how you don't normally see them. Paul Dano delivering you know just such a wonderful yes. performance. But the ensemble is is incredible. It's uh, I mean obviously yeah we've got uh, Paul Dano, Pete Davidson, Sebastian Stan, Nick Offerman, Shailene Woodley, America Ferrera, um, Anthony Ramos. Harold, who's uh, in in the, her show here in the st in, mm -hmm. the, in London, uh, it was just a, an embarrassment of riches, and it, but it didn't start out that way. It started out literally with who's going to play Roaring Kitty, mm. 
And I very quickly zoomed, like zeroed in on, on Paul Dano, who does such a, a beautiful job, and he's got such a, a range of performances over the years. And oddly, the one that drew me to him for this was Swiss Army Man. Oh, wow, that's an amazing film. Yeah, <laughs> just, and just the exuberance that he has in that mm. film and the joy was something that I felt like this Keith, Keith Gill had in his podcast. Um, and and uh, I was exci- really excited to delve into that with him. In the case of like uh, Seth Rogen, I love that we got to play him against type. Like mm. you think he's going to be the everyman, he's actually you know quote unquote the villain in this, being uh, the gay Plotkin character. But what was important to us, and w- what was really a beautiful job that the writers wrote with the script is, it's gray. It's like we we didn't want to keep it as a black and white, like mm. simplistic version of, of what was going on. We wanted to show that he has a family, show that he's you know his life. And and the way that he lives, you know, and that he's a family man, and so having somebody that was accessible is is a is a large part of getting into that, and that and that's where Seth was invaluable. Absolutely, I think with um, the ensemble, you know, you, you sort of showcase a lot of the characters' worst days and their best days, but the the barometer of where that falls for them is is totally different. You know, Seth Rogen's character loses millions of dollars, but billions. it actually doesn't. You Bill- know. Billions. Yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And and, uh, and then you have that great scene with him, which really stuck out when he's preparing to do his interview, and he's uh, he's in front of his wine collection, and he mm-hmm. says uh, that someone says like, "You need to move away from your wine collection." He's like, "It's not that big." No, it's, like <laughs> it's such a good line. A- and <laughs> crazily, it's I mean, there w- we were always looking for opportunities to highlight the disparity of wealth that was going on. It was done like with the, with the COVID masks as well mm. because you would see all the staff would be wearing masks, but they wouldn't. That scene on the day was going to be in his office, but then when I turned up at the house, that ridiculous vista that they have in the living room there, I thought we should do the scene here. Mm. And in that moment where it, it was scripted that she says, where are you going to do this, uh, this, this video? And, he's, and he, uh, he said, I thought I'd do it right here. I in, we added in the line in front of the wine collection, <laughs> and then Seth improvised, and he turns around and goes, well, it's not that big. <laughs> and she says, it's huge. <laughs> and just that uh, mm. lack of awareness was just such a beautiful commentary mm. on, the, on the class disparity that's going on. It says quite a lot about the character without saying a lot about the character. Exactly, you know, yeah. Really it's efficient a use of screen time. Yeah, just really trying to figure out those. Uh, how to, it, and we're doing it in a humorous way as well, but we, you understand, and, and obviously that, that humor that comes out of that is from a very real situation that the audience is aware of. Oh, abs- absolutely. It's, uh, I'm always, whenever there's a, a film with a big ensemble cast like this and you give everybody a moment, I'm always impressed. It's kind of like a magic trick. <laughs> but how does that work for you? you know, do, you? do you sort of find that in the edit? Is that all in the screenplay? They did a, uh, Rebecca and Lauren did a beautiful job with the screenplay. And the interesting thing, like with each of these characters, that we go to them multiple times, but they all have basically about four full scenes to yeah. do. And so each of those scenes has to do a lot of work. And so you're looking for every opportunity within that on the day as well. So, you know, like Anthony Ramos uh, was working with us, and this, so here's one scene with his parents, and it's the only context you have for him outside of outside of his work. Mm. So that scene has to do a lot, and and within that scene, you know, we turn you turn up on the day, and uh, we we start working with the actors. Like, what well, do you want it to be in Spanish or English? And they're like, well, often we'd just be bi- bilingual. And it would go both ways, mm. but and the mother was like, I think I would switch to English when it gets serious, and Anthony was like, I think I would just talk English the whole time, and it's like, great. So we sort of play with it a little bit, and then at the end of the scene, 
uh, she says she has a line that says, "Be careful, this can be like a drug," and it lands in a very sort of very ominous place. And it's our only moment that we see them together. And you want to give it more context of like their family dynamics. And I said, Anthony, when she says that, take the phone and sniff it like a line of coke. <laughs> and she slaps him across the shoulder, and immediately you get this sense of the family and how they interact with each other, and they can joke and they they don't hide things, and it gives you so much context in five seconds. Hmm. So we're always looking for like how to escalate all those moments, and working with brilliant actors, it makes it so fun. I think that feel, that sounds, you know, from the outside, like maybe like a fun sort of restriction. You know, we've only got say four scenes; we've only got you for this one day, and in that day, we need to achieve all this stuff. And playing with the actors, it sounds like you have quite a, you know, like a lively set uh, on your work. It's yeah, I think uh, again, it's like it all starts with the writing, and you've you've set these scenes up that have like a lot of emotional complexity to them. But and then as soon as the camera starts rolling, it's like you, you're always trying to like plus it. Mm. You, you take what we've got, which is which is like really staying true to the story and the plot, and then it's like how else do we engage with these characters? So I'm always uh, giving the, the actors room to play with it, um, and also looking for opportunities to like to like elevate it in any any way you can. Absolutely. And when you're dealing with somebody like Pete Davidson. <laughs> He just comes in, and every time it's like this beautiful surprise because uh, he's su he's such such a beautiful improvisation <laughs> uh, improvisational actor, and it's like to see that and get that like in the context of going against Paul, mm. who's so prepared and precise, and to see that those two different energies together was really one of the most fun parts. It's so nice to see them together, and and actually see them in. A lot of the scenes are sort of ensemble scenes or group scenes in a car around a yes. dinner table, where you know you do get a little flavor of every every uh, every actor on screen. Yeah, no, it's uh, th that family scene with when uh, Paul announces to the parents that he's up twenty-two million dollars, and you know his dad's a truck driver and his mom's a retired nurse. Mm. The the energy in that scene was really exciting to work with, and to really like have like in Shailene Woodley's in there and Clancy Brown. Kate Burton, and it's like to, to have that caliber of actors, it, it's like you can set the stage for it and then let there be a sense of unpredictability and spontaneity and everybody's talking over each other that you know you set the tone and where you want it to go and, and then let the actors bring what they bring to it. When you're, you're filming something like this, do you sort of have your, like, because it's a, uh, you know, you cross cut between lots of people's stories, but do you do all of the stuff with, say, Paul Dano and, and his family in, you know, one block and then yes. know, Seth Rogen and his guys and another? Like, is it that was all blocks. And the first block was actually Paul Dano and Shailene and all the stuff that, that it was everything with Paul, uh, except for one day of shooting at the end, mm. um, which was the track. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it, was, it was an interesting way to work because typically you get into a groove with your actors as you do a film and you mm. start to, f like, evolve the character and, and, and and sort of really explore it, but in this case, every week almost, we would have a different actor in a different location, mm. and starting their own journey with it. And they had to, uh, you know, very quickly understand the tone of the film. Um, and uh, and there's an enormous amount of trust they have, like w in me, that I because I have to basically be the gatekeeper and the guide to it because they're not they're they're coming in so briefly in mm. a way. Um, a lot of the actors I I, I had the luxury of having worked with before which was amazing uh you know with pete and sebastian actually pete uh, you know just briefly on a commercial bit we were attached to a project that we we're going to do together so we kept constantly trying to figure out what it was but sebastian nick offman mm. seth rogan uh, i'd all worked with before america came along 
and uh, she actually really championed herself and Mary Venu, my casting person, put us together. And we had a great uh, conversation about it and what the intention of the character was and, and she's su such a pivotal part of, of the voice for the community that it was, it was something that we were really trying to be careful about who we cast for that role and mm. she did such a phenomenal job. No, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's such a treat to see. But yeah, it does sound like you're sort of working on, you know, like five or so mini films. Yes. <laughs> and then put them together. Um, I think as we are a cinema podcast, obviously cinema is very important. I was just wondering, you know, are you, uh, are you a big film goer yourself? Do you get time to go to the <laughs> movies and, and watch them on a big screen? Um, the la actually, the last thing, the last thing I saw, which I was late to the party, was Barbie. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, which I, at the theater, which I absolutely loved. I thought they did a phenomenal job. It's like the tone they walked was such a high wire act and they pulled it off and being able to share that was amazing and it's like on the flip side of that the film i shot just before that was talk talk to me oh nice and both times like it's such there's such community experiences mm. so i love to be able to like get that. there is something you c you know it's such a shared experience that there's particular films that do that uh and hopefully this is one of them no, oh, absolutely. It plays it plays so well on yeah. on a big screen. Like I got to see it with an audience. I say it really zips by. It leaves you wanting more. And and I went straight to my phone to look up, you know, like Roaring Kitty. Look at Reddit. Look at Wikipedia. Uh, to sort of drink it all in. But I love that you saw Barbie because that's kind of a nice Margot Robbie from Antonia yes. handing over to America Ferreira. I know, um, I know. America's <laughs> speech in, in Barbie is absolutely amazing. And I saw some of that ferocity that that we channeled in 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 this as well. But uh, she's just a beautiful job of walking that line. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, thank you uh, Absolutely, so much. Sam. Uh, <laughs> it's a pleasure. And enjoy Pitch House Central tonight, man. Uh, yeah, we'll see you there. <laughs> Cheers, Greg. <laughs>